Glad to see you all here this morning. Uh, and for those newcomers, I welcome you. Um, even though I don't your na- know your name, you are most welcome in this place. And um, today we'll be speaking from Titus uh, 3. And I encourage you to flip there uh, in your Bibles. And as you're turning there, let me uh, give you a little bit of a, uh, an introduction into history of, uh, of where Titus is at. Um, Paul has been to Crete, which is where Titus takes place, uh, or the letter is written to. And uh, he's over in Rome. Titus is left there. Titus is a Greek, and he's uh, an example of those that are uncircumcised that can be saved. And... And this island of Crete, uh, if you want a size of it, if you've ever been out to the East Coast, it's actually a little bit bigger than Prince Edward Island. It's one quarter the size of Vancouver Island, or it's one one hundredth the size of Manitoba. So it's a very, very tiny island. Um, and these people, we would probably refer to them as pirates in nowadays uh, setting. That's how we would view them. They, uh, Paul describes them in chapter 1 as they're liars, vicious brutes, and lazy gluttons. So this is his audience. This is, I think I have a far better audience this morning. And uh, so, so Titus, he's, he's here in, uh, in Crete. And actually, Crete, they were known for lying so much that the Romans actually had a word for lying. And it's called a Cretan. If you're, if you're Cretan or if you're a Cretan, you're a liar. And so that's how vicious and and deceptive these people were. Um, and actually their, their history is built upon uh, Greek mythology. And so these people at the very center of their religion is bestiality and child sacrifice. So their very first king, according to Greek mythology and Cretan legend, uh, had a wife that was in love with a bull. And she had offspring with this bull, supposedly, and created a minotaur, which is a half-beast, half-bull creature. And every nine years, this king would sacrifice seven boys and seven girls to this minotaur. And so these people are in a very different culture um, than some of the other ones that that Paul visited. And, And anyways, Titus is entrusted to bring the church correction, to bring the people correction, and to teach them how to live in this world. And so the very first chapter, Paul corrects them on false teachers and how to live as a good church. In the second chapter, he talks about how to live as a good Christian family and what's expected of you at work, what's expected of you as a wife, what's expected of you as a husband, as a son. And now we're in the third chapter. And if you were there already, which I hope you are, I hope I've given you enough time, um, He starts off uh, with verse 1. Remind them to be subjects to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show every courtesy to everyone. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, despicable, hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of any works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy, through the water of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, 
we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is true. I desire that you insist on these things, Titus, so that those who have come to believe in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable to everyone. Now, if we look back at verse 1, he says, Remind them. Remind them to be subjects to rulers and authorities. Remind them of what a good Christian family looks like. Remind them of what a healthy church looks like. Remind them of how we are supposed to act in this world. Even though we are, we are citizens of heaven, we are still here on this earth, and we are still citizens of earth, and we need to respect what God has been working here. This word remind comes up in the Old Testament multiple times, and it comes up in the New Testament as well when Jesus is addressing his disciples. It would say, Israel, it wouldn't always say remind, but it would say, Israel forgot God. Israel forgot what God had done for them. Israel forgot what Moses had done through God. Or what God had done through Moses, sorry. Um, Israel forgot. Jesus would often say, do you not remember it was written? Do you not remember I said I would tear down the temple and build it up in three days? Do you not remember? So when Paul writes, remember, seems that us as, as Christians, we need to either have a good memory or constantly be reminding ourselves of what the Word of God teaches us. So, remind them to be subjects to rulers and authorities and to be obedient, to be ready for every good work. Rulers and authorities, we could maybe even change that to saying your boss, to your parents, the prime minister, to different politicians, And not always these rulers and authorities will line up with the word of Scripture. But when they do, we are to be obedient. We are to put God first. And if these rulers and authorities line up with what God is teaching us, we are to be ready for every good work. This word ready could also mean eager. We we don't have to come to it with an attitude, Oh, do I have to? I know you want me to go feed the poor, but do I have to right now? I know you want me to come up on Sunday morning with a towel, but do I have to? Do I really have to do these good works all the time? Yes. Paul says, be ready for every good work. And that's how we're supposed to act towards those that are in authority over us. Next he moves on and he says, do not speak evil of anyone. To avoid quarreling. He gives two negatives. And then he gives you two positives. Uh, to not do this. To not do that. To not speak evil. To not fight with one another. But then to be gentle. To give courtesy to everyone. We, we often see those in, in authority or we see leaders and, and it's so easy for us to sit there and judge and sit there and say, oh, well, they did this and so obviously they're not in line with God. And you know what? Sometimes, sometimes they aren't. Sometimes we have leaders in, in charge of us that aren't following the word of God, but we are to respect them. We are to be gentle, not to speak evil of them, 
Correction is needed, yes. But going beyond correction and speaking of them in lesser ways than we ourselves were before we knew Christ, I don't think that's fair. We are to be gentle and courteous. For Paul moves on, for he says, We ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, despicable, hating one another. He is describing a way of life without Christ. Foolish, this, this word can also mean utterly useless. Sometimes when we were maybe little on the farm and stuff, Dad asked us to get, get a tool or something. And I have no idea what that tool is, Dad. And we feel utterly useless. But as we grow up and we learn more, we figure out what is good and what is not. And once we enter into a relationship with Christ, he's given us so much to figure out what is good for teaching and what is bad. So Paul says we are foolish before we had Christ. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of any works of righteousness that we had done, but according to the mercy through the water of rebirth, renewal, and by the Holy Spirit. In verse 4, he talks about this goodness and loving kindness of God. This same phrasing actually happens in the Old Testament. If you would want to flip with me to 2 Samuel 9. Uh, this chapter is often called David's kindness to Mephibosheth. But it really is God's kindness if if you look closely at the passage. David asked, Is there still anyone left of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba, and he was summoned to David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am at your service. The king said, Is there anyone remaining in the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? Ziba said to the king, There remains a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. The king said to him, Is he here? Ziba said to the king, He is in the house of Mekar, son of Amel at Lodibar. Then King David sent uh, and brought him from the house of Mekar, son of Amel at Lodibar. Mephibosheth, son of uh, Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell at his face and did obstinance. David said, Mephibosheth. He answered, I am your servant. David said, Do not be afraid, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore you all the lands of your grandfather, Saul, and you yourself shall eat at my table. He did obstinance and said, What is your servant that you should look upon a dead dog such as I? Then the king summoned Saul's servant Ziba and said to him, All that belongs to Saul and all his house I have given to your master's grandson. You and your son and your servants shall till the land for him and shall bring in the produce so that your master's grandson may have food to eat. But your master's grandson Mephibosheth shall eat at my table. Now Ziba 
had 15 sons and 20 servants. Sounds like a Mennonite family. Then Ziba said to the king, According to all that my lord the king commands his servant, so your servant will do. Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah, and all who lived in Ziba's house became Mephibosheth's servants. Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he always ate at the king's table. Now he was lame in both of his feet. Flipping back to Titus, the kindness of God that he lavishes upon us by his son saving us and this Holy Spirit doing a new work in us. This loving kindness. Is that not far greater than the loving kindness that David shows Mephibosheth? This crippled man that in those days probably wouldn't survive very long that because of the son because of whose son he was, technically deserved to die. Were we not also deserving of death before God saved us and welcomed us to his table? Were we not also deserving of the same fate? But how much more greater has God lavished this goodness and kindness upon us more than what David showed to Mephibosheth, because David said, I want to show the loving kindness of God upon this man, whoever he is. Whether he is lame, cripple, or in completely good health, as we might say. God our Savior saved us, not because of any works of righteousness that we had done. At the very beginning, Paul talks about doing good works. And at the very end of chapter 8, he talks about continue in doing good works or good deeds, as some of your translations might say. But these works and deeds are not what saves us. Chapter, verse 5 in this chapter 3 is very, very important because this is the foundation and bare bones of salvation. If you compare Timothy, First and Second Timothy, to Titus, Titus has three chapters, and, Titus, and Timothy has far more. You'll see that Paul narrows down the important parts of Timothy and gives him the bare bones of what salvation is without Christ, what it is with Christ, and what promise that gives. Not because of our own works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy through the water of rebirth, renewal, and the Holy Spirit. This mercy that David showed Mephibosheth, and now God shows us even more. The, water, the words water, rebirth, renewal, and Holy Spirit, they may be a little, maybe it says baptism within your Bible, or maybe it says washing, um, but these four words in the Greek are all clumped together as one understanding. It's a, it's a little weird. It doesn't happen that often in the New Testament. But these four words are all grouped together as one, to be understood as one thing. By the Holy Spirit, you could say we are renewed. renewed, And we are reborn through baptism. Some of the early churches thought that this meant that we could only be saved by being baptized. But no, it's, it's showing that the symbol of baptism and the working of the Holy Spirit, not only 
reforms us into God's kingdom, but it transforms us into doing his works. The Spirit he pours out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that we have been justified by his grace, that we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. We might be able to sit at that heavenly table with the king and be welcomed as his son, deserving death and now being welcomed and given an inheritance of eternal life. Paul says this saying is true. He tries to narrow down as closely as he can how to bring salvation to these people and how we are to live in gentleness and courtesy without fighting and without speaking evil to people. He insists on these things. Now, when we don't, we are usually viewed as the odd one out, maybe. As you can tell, I'm maybe not wearing the exact same clothes as everyone else is here. I hope that 20 minutes into the sermon that you've noticed, hopefully, that there has been a difference between what I am wearing and what you guys are wearing. And not where this is not to, to guilt anyone or anything like that. But how much different do we look when we don't act gently, when we talk harshly about one another, when we talk harshly about who's in charge, when we, when we try to start fights because we just need to get rid of our anger, when we need to put ourselves first, is what we feel. How much do we look out of place from what our word teaches us, from what God is trying to teach us to act in our day in and day out? A lot more. You'll notice that these, these four things, these, well, six things, being obedient, ready for every good work, to not speak evil, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show courtesy. These six things are not, Paul is not saying you need to, you know, get up in the morning and then as you're brushing your teeth, you need to say this verse. And as you're going to work, you need to do this every single time. No, he's giving us not a to-do list. He's giving us behaviors. These are the ways we are supposed to act day in and day out. And for every circumstance, that might look different. But do it to the best of your ability. Be ready to do each of these. Now, those who work on their beliefs and their beatitude, their um, these these works of uh, blessings uh, that that Paul has given to us, but these beatitudes, um, behaviors, sorry is the word, those whose behaviors are modeled after what God has done for us and not what, other, what others have done to us. I think is what Paul is getting at. Sorry, I'll say that again since it was so rambled. Those behaviors in our day-to-day life should be modeled after what God has done for us. 
and not what others have done to us. By acting this way, we hope and pray that we can be called heirs of the kingdom of heaven for eternal life. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the many blessings that you've poured out upon us, God. We thank you for this time that we have to share in uh, hearing your word and hearing what Titus had to give to the Cretans. God, we just pray that that as we dive into your word this week, God, that we will not forget to be gentle to those who are around us, maybe to that neighbor that is so difficult or to that brother that we just don't understand how we can ever learn to love him, but that, God, these people are striving through life, trying to search you, trying to search for something better. God, maybe it's that, that atheist down the road or maybe it's someone of another religion, God, that they're just, they're looking and they're striving, God. Please help us not to criticize, not to speak evil and point fingers, but that we will be courteous to them. We will be ready to do good works for them, God, that we will be a servant as your son was a servant for us. Lord, as we go out from here, may we be encouraged uh, by the words here in Titus. In your name we pray, amen.